while you're ready, you've shared. Now, get your Bibles out, get your notebooks out, and let's, uh, let's, let me download what, um, what the Lord gave me for you today. The title today is Family Forever. Family Forever. And I'm going to be sharing with you, my, my main scripture is going to be Psalms 145. Go ahead and get your notebooks. So Psalms 145, I'm actually going to read like 13 verses of this, but I'm going to concentrate on verse 4. This is what it says. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. And listen to this, verse 4. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall be blessed, and they shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known the sons of men my mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Last verse, verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Did you get that marked in your Bible? You get your notes? I'm going to focus on, for the next few minutes, verse 4. And verse 4 simply says, one generation shall praise your works. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. One generation will praise your works to another generation. So from generation to generation to generation, God says that is the way his works will be praised. So when I read this scripture, I think of a couple things. First, I want you to put in your notes, and I want you to comment on this, and I want you to write in your notes this statement. My family is eternal. My family is eternal. No, I'm not eternal, but my family is eternal. Can I say this to you, that you didn't just start right here. You came from somebody. There is a lineage in your family. There are generations behind you, and there will be generations in front of you, generations. Generations really means generations, G-E-N-E-S, genes, uh, this DNA, this power that's calling that from your great, great, great ancestors there's been a calling on which your family was birthed. There is a reason. Let me, let me give you this scripture. Put it in your notes and go ahead and write that down again because you're thinking, really, really, really? I only remember my grandmother, but I'm just telling you, 
Your grandmother, your grandfather had a grandmother. They had a grandmother. <laughs> your family started in a particular place, and it's probably, it probably was started for a particular reason. Exodus 30 and 30 tells us this. Exodus 30 and 30 is about a man who was called to be the first priest of the children of Israel. His name was Aaron. And this is what it says about Aaron. And you shall anoint Aaron. God's, God's instructions to Moses are, you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priests. So God says, I'm going to give you Aaron. But forever, Aaron and his sons will be consecrated to minister before the Lord in the sanctuary as his priests. So what does that mean? Aaron is a matriarch. All his sons, Eliezer, all Eliezer's sons, grandchildren, great-great-great-grandchildren, to this day in the Jewish community, our brothers and sisters, Aaron is still the priest. For thousands of years, Aaron and his sons have been the priests. So what I want you to understand this morning is that your family has an eternal weight. And it's important for you to tap into why your family exists. We're talking about building family. We're talking about how to construct our families. We're talking about intentional foundations. We're talking about uh, repairing any breaches. We're talking about shoring up any walls. We're talking about straightening out cracks that may be in our foundation. We're talking about setting vision. We're literally building our family. So what's important for you and me is to understand, first of all, our families are eternal. What does that mean? Your family has an assignment. There is something in particular that your family is good at, called to, has a drawing toward. There are things that your family talks about every time you gather over Christmas dinner or dinner at all, when you're driving in the car, what you tweet about, the shows you watch. I want to help you to focus on, and, and that's why I'm here this morning. That's why I'm here this morning. So that this anointing, this anointing to build your family, that you take note of it. You pay attention to it. You, you notice it and you understand that your family may have assignments. So your family is eternal. It's not just you're going to live for 70 to 100 years and die. But your children will continue to live. And their children will continue to live. The next thing I notice in this scripture that comes to mind in me is that there is a duty that's here. When it says that one generation shall praise your works to another, how does that happen? How do the praises of God get passed from one generation to another? <laughs> it simply means that someone has got to pass down the praise of God in every generation. You know, right now in these days, it's just so easy for families to put church off. And now social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you can get sermons anywhere. You can listen to your best sermons on, on podcasts, your best preachers. You can have 15 different preachers that speak to you, that talk to you. It is so easy now to not be a part of a fellowship. But you need to be in a fellowship because... The generations have to hear the praises of God from generation to generation. This is what I wrote down about the generations. There's not going to be another revelation about God. There's not going to be this new truth or there might be deeper truths in this unfolding of revelation. 
But the revelation of God and his love remains. It started with your great-grandparents or a grandparent. And now those revelations from God have to be told to you. But it didn't just say they're told to us. It says that they are praised. They're not just said, they're praised. I want to ask you a question. Who is teaching you and what environment are you in to hear about the praises of God, the goodness of God? The, if, if, if your family is eternal, if your family started and it's going to be something even greater than it is, somebody's got to be talking about God. And I'm not just talking about talking about God. There's got to be somebody in your family that praises him, that exalts him, that lifts him, that says no matter what our family is going through, God is good. I'll never forget the older people in my church, and I'm going to talk about them for a minute growing up. The older people in our church, as they were old and gray and, and, and dying as I was growing up in my church, they would always say, God is good and his mercies endure forever. And then they would do something that we don't do much anymore. They would testify. They would stand in the audience and then they would say, I remember when I was 14. I remember when I was 12. And then they would tell us about what their parents told them. When I was 12, my mama told me that God is always good. And now that I'm 90, I can tell you that God is always good. And as I was sitting there listening to them, they were passing on the praises of God to me. Who is passing on the praises of God in your family? Are you looking at the news and looking at political situations and looking at recessions and looking at everything and saying, wow, we, times are bad? No, you need someone in your family because your family is eternal that will say, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh God is good. He's good all the time. He's good, period, and his kingdom is above every kingdom. <clears throat> Somebody in your family has got to teach the family how to trust God. Somebody in your family has got to remind the kids Got to remind the children who may be struggling in school, who may be going through issues on the playground, who may be wondering about their own self-esteem. Somebody's got to stand up in the family and say, sweetheart, everything is going to be fine. Let me tell you about the goodness of God. God is good. And now it has to be taught through the family. Don't let you two teach your family. Don't let me even teach your family. Be the first teacher in your family. Be the first to tell your children, your husband, your wife, your grandparents, your whoever. Be the first to tell them how good God is. He is good all the time. You ought to do it right now. You ought to do it right now. You ought to do it right now on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. You ought to just tweet out how good God is. A simple phrase, God is so good. God's been so good to my family. God always cares about me and my family. Even if I'm shoveling snow, God is here with my family. I'm going to teach my children how good God is. I'm going to show them to expect the goodness of God in their days. God is good, and we should sing his praises. We got to get into the heads of this next generation. We got to get into the heads of this next generation in their heads and get in, get in their psyche and pour into them and brainwash them that God never sleeps, God never slumbers, God is always here for us. And, that, and that's why, this is what I'm going to say, and that's why, that's why, that's why in, in Ambassador's Worship Center, when we're in our sanctuary, I taught my kids this and I'll teach you this. Never let a person over 50 walk out of our sanctuary without saying hello. 
Never let a person 60, 70, we have 80-year-old members. When you, when you pass by them, you say, God's been good to you. Let them testify to you. Stop them in the hallway. Buy them lunch. You know, you know, my parents died when I was early, and that's what I used to do. I used to go by the elderly people's homes in my church, cut their grass, trim their hedges, uh, take out their trash. And while I was there, I would just ask them, tell me about God. Tell me what you've seen, the difficulties and what God has brought you through. They always had stories. They always had stories. So get in with these stories. So what did I say first? Your family is eternal. It has eternal weight. I want you to have an eternal view of your family. If you're getting married, have an eternal view of your marriage, that your marriage will last longer than your marriage does. You will die and no longer be married, but your marriage will still stand as a testament in the earth that you fought through it, that you stood, that you raised your children, and that you raised your, your grandchildren. You hear what I'm saying? Let me, Titus 2 says this, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Let the older men be sober, reverent, temperate sound in faith, in love, in patience, and the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Why? That they may admonish the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient, to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. In other words, we need to cherish the older ones around us. Hey, listen, listen, listen. You can ridicule grandma because she doesn't have Facebook or Twitter, but grandma has always been in tune with the Holy Ghost. She didn't need Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. She knows how to pray. She, she can tell when God is getting ready to do something. When you're afraid of the bills, grandma knows what's getting ready to happen because she's developed a relationship with him. And you need to develop a relationship with grandma so she can teach you how to use your faith, so she can show you the praises of God in your family for the generations. After we're gone from Facebook Live today, you might need to call grandma, grandpa, auntie, wherever they live, and just say, tell us about the goodness of God in our family. Tell me about my grandmother. Tell me about my uncles. What assignment do you think we have on our family? What assignment is that? I'm sitting here fulfilling an assignment on my family. That's what I'm doing. Great, great grandfather, great, great, great grandfather that even in slavery loved the Lord and was a teacher and was a helper of those who was around him. I'm just another derivative of that vision. That's the assignment on my family. I have to know it. I need to teach my wife and my children that we're assigned to the house of God. We're assigned to the things of God. We can't run away from it. And that's, listen to me, that's why you should try to get your family more in line with what God has called it to be. Balance it. Find out who your family is own it, don't run away from it, accept it as a call of God. All the blessings that God wants to give you on the earth, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. All the blessings that God wants to give you and your generations on the earth have to do with the blueprint for your family. It has to do with your assignment. It has to do with your calling. 
I'm saying to you this morning, get aligned with it. Level up to what God has called your family to be. Ask him. Ask him what the assignment is. Okay, let me finish this verse so it's real good. This is, this is Titus 2, 1 through 8. It says, likewise, likewise men exhort the young men to be sober. In all things showing yourself to be the pattern of good works. In doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say. So I'm back to, the. I see the duty here in the older generation. They may not want to hear you, Grandma, but keep talking to them. They may not want to hear you, Grandpa. They may not want to hear you tell them how to dress and how to speak and how to treat women and what verbiage to use. They may not want to hear you, but keep talking to them because you're responsible for the generations. One generation shall praise God till the next generation. That only happens when we have family keepers. That only happens when we have people in our families that will tell us and show us the truth about God. The other thing I hear here is praise his works. Praise his works. Praise his works. Don't just talk about his works. Praise his works. Exalt his works. Write down the stories of your family, the history of your family, and now exalt them, lift them up, and praise him. What does that mean practically? Refuse to allow in your family anybody talking about God in a derogatory manner. Don't allow your children to say, God has left us out. God has left us behind. God won't answer our prayers. Correct them and say, he may not have come when you was expecting him, but he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, and he will always be on time. And even though we don't see him working, it doesn't mean he's not working. God is working all the time in our family. Why? Because our family is eternal. The calling on our family is eternal. Don't speak of him in a derogatory manner. Parents, you need to be excited about the goodness of God in your family. Remind your children. Don't forget your pillars. Don't forget some of, some of, the, stuff, <clears throat> some of the stuff that we were taught when we were younger you know, for a long time, and especially when I was younger, I would say, wow, how is that going to serve me when I'm older? That doesn't even make any sense. That's antiquated. It is old-fashioned. Now I'm saying it to my children and other children that are around and saying, this is how you treat women. This is how you treat boys. This is how you educate yourself. This is how you walk with the Lord. This is how to pray. This is how to reach out to, to God because everyone needs to know. So let's just praise his works. Do you have anything that you can say to your family and friends right there now on Facebook? Do you have anything that you can encourage, that you can text someone and just tell them, you know, God has always been good. His works are mighty. His acts are amazing. And I have proof that he loves me in my whole life. All right? Now, the other thing that, that as I read that scripture, one generation shall praise you until the next. I think about the next generation. I think about the next generation. Here's a phrase I want you to write down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Children that change the world don't grow on trees. Children, offspring that change the world don't grow on trees. They grow in families. 
They don't just happen. It's intentional. Children that affect their neighborhoods, affect their schools, they are grown in families. Children that are respectful, children that are smart, children that are conscientious, children that have a conscience, children that care about those that are around them. Children that change the world are not grown on trees. They're grown in families. And they're grown in families that have families in their churches. If you want great offspring, train them at home and lead them at home. And then bring them to a church like Ambassadors Worship Center where the leaders support what you're training in your children. Where the children's church support you. Where the pastor's sermons support what you're doing at home. And let's grow powerful children. Let's grow children that, empower, that are empowered and that can change the world. I, I, was said, I was told one time by a person who loved God, obviously, but they said, I bring my children here so that you and children's church can teach them. And I said to, I said to them, no, the generations of your family, there are some things we cannot teach them at church. The vision for your family, only you can teach them. The goals, the calling, the, all these aspirations, the visions and the dreams for your family, we can't teach them that here at Ambassador's Worship Center. We can reinforce what you're teaching them at home. So let me just say, let me just say to you, every parent, every grandparent, every great-grandparent, you have to be spiritual. You have to be a spiritual person. Well, I'm not really spiritual like that. Listen to me. Please write, you, write this down. Your children will turn into whatever you incubate at home. Just come in the church three, four, five, six hours a week is not going to grow your children in the way you want them to grow. They're in your house 24-7. You have to build an atmosphere of the goodness of God. Build an expectation that they're good kids. Build an expectation that they're smart. Build a culture where the praises of God are lifted every day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you commit to that? Would you commit to that? Would you just write it down right there? I commit to focusing my home on being a place where I raise good and godly children. Don't abdicate that. Don't give the power of leading your children to someone else. Own that. Own it. Take responsibility. It's going to be amazing. Your children need you to be spiritual, and they need you to allow them to be spiritual. If we don't train them at church, they will be trained in the world. They'll be trained wherever they go. They'll be trained at school. They'll be trained by friends. They'll be trained by other folks. Now, write it down again. I know I keep telling you to write it down, but write it down. Family forever. Family forever. My family is eternal. If I want family forever, I've got to see my family as an eternal entity. If, it's, if my family is an eternal entity, now I must be proactive in how I build it, how I put it together, how I structure it. I've got to be a person that says, this is the blueprint for my family, and we're going to stick to it. It's the only way you can tell when you're off, <laughs> When your family's off, when it's not doing what it's supposed to do, it's got to be because you have a plan. You got a vision. If you don't have a vision or a plan, and if you're not getting that plan from God, 
it's not going to be the right one. And you've got to focus on it, okay? So now, what we have, what we have going on here, and I don't want this to happen to you because your family is eternal, our generations are getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. The light and the passion for God is getting dimmer. It's not just, it's not just, and I'm, I'm surrounded by great young people. I am so blessed to pastor the best church in the world. Ambassadors Worship Center, we have generations here. We have 80-year-olds that are participating, well, over 80, now participating in church. And we have little children that are participating. We have generations all over the place. And I love to hear the generations talking. I love to hear the generations thinking. But this is my concern. When we only have young people, and now they base God on what they've learned since they've been alive, we have simpler and dimmer and almost more ignorant people being created. They think that just God, that, that God, if God, if my life isn't perfect, there's no God in it. They don't know how to struggle. They have an issue with God not showing up in every area. And that's why you need the 80-year-old in your church. That's why you need to be a part of what AWC is doing. You need the 80-year-old. You need the 70-year-old that when you say, man, God has left me out again, they can stop you and say, son, God's not left you out. God's thinking about you right now. He has a plan for you. Let me give you a story about my life. Let me give you a story about the life and what God has done for me in my life. They'll just share with you. God is good. So parents, you need to be spiritual. You need to make sure your children are connected to spiritual grandparents. And you need to make sure your children are connected with spiritual great-grandparents. They may not be your grandparents, but in a church fellowship, especially like ours, now they can say, you know, we have a family in our church, and five of their generations go here. Great-grandma is here. Grandma is here. The mothers and the, the daughters who have children are here, and their children are here. Five generations roaming the halls. I am so happy for them and almost jealous, right? Because they have all those generations right there in their family. And when something's going on and they're not sure what's happening, they're not sure God's going to come through for them. They're going through a new uh, depression or oppression or financial struggle. They're going through a new challenge, and they're wondering, we just got married. We're 25 years old. We just got married, and it looks like we're going to lose our house. It looks like our marriage is in trouble. It looks like we got a, a child that's sick, and we may lose them. When they're saying that, great-grandma who's 85 years old said, no, sugar, God is good. God's going to help us through this. How do I know? Because he helped me. Let me tell you, let me tell you about your, your aunt over here, the, the one over, they give you stories of how God brought them through. Every family needs that, and that's why we need the generations. Parents must es educate their children, but you also need others to educate your children. I want to make this last point in this. I'm talking about children because they don't, they, great people don't grow on trees, they grow in families. They grow in families. They grow in families. Bad people don't grow on trees. They grow in families that turn them into people who are not harmonious with other families' visions. And that's not what your family needs. Your, your, what, once, once you know exactly who your family is and what the assignment is, you have no competition with anyone. You don't have to be jealous of anybody. As they say, you don't have to hate anybody. You don't have to pull anybody down so you can get up. Your family is eternal. It is unique. It is unique, 
And you just need to focus on if you're Aaron and Aaron's sons, you're consecrated to a call. Find that call and consecrate it. But I want to talk to you about Paul for just a moment. Paul was raised in a great family. He was raised, uh, uh, used to be Saul, now Paul the apostle. Raised in a great family, had a great father and a great mother, both in the home. But it says in Acts 20, it says in Acts 22 and 3, it says that Paul was sent to the school of Gamaliel. He was sent to a school of a great teacher so that he could learn more about God. Do you know, there's a lot I can't teach my children. There's a lot I can't show them. That's why I bring them to church. I don't want them listening to church online unless it's all they got. I don't want them on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube unless it's all they got. I want them to be sitting in a sanctuary with people in there because people are the best teachers. Paul was sent to the school. This is what he said. He said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarshish of of, of Cilicia, but brought up in in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. I was brought up at the feet of a good teacher. So now I'm taught at home. I'm, I'm in a great environment in my house. Whether mom and dad are there. It, you know, if, if I'm being raised by foster parents, if I was adopted, if I'm, a, if, if, if I'm a father raising my children by myself, if I'm a mother raising my child by myself, it doesn't matter. The idea is build a culture in your home where God is praised and exalted and lifted up. Otherwise, the world will creep into your home and make your house small, make it small in its thinking. It will never think that God is progressive and that God is a loving, merciful God that's going to take care of everybody. And I'm telling you, God's going to take care of everybody. The other way he does it is he puts your children, like children's ministry here at Ambassadors Worship Center, children's ministry where they say, we're here to support what you're teaching your children at home. We're not here to give them new ideas. We're here to say, mom and dad has been teaching you all week to praise God and talk about his great works. And that is what we're here to do is to echo, sweetheart, God is good. If you're in kindergarten, God is good. He's good in elementary school. He is good in middle school. He's good in high school, in college. After you get married, God is good because one day you're going to be the grandparent. You're going to be the one that's responsible for passing on the love and the grace of God to the gene orations that come after you. So let us help here at church. Okay, so here it is now. Here it is. Your family is eternal. So what's important for you to do is get a vision for your family. And that vision for your family deserves energy. It deserves your time. It deserves your money. It deserves your emotions. It, 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 deserves your, it deserves your focus. It deserves everything that's in you. Why? Because we must produce generations that praise God in our future. We have to. I'm here on a snowy blizzard morning in Omaha, Nebraska, where they said it would be blizzarding this morning. I'm here sitting in the sanctuary talking to you on Facebook because you need to get a vision for your family. If you're single, get a vision for your family. If you're unmarried, get a vision from your fa- for your family because you're going to have to teach them how to exalt and praise God. So here are four things that you should do, four things that I'm encouraging you to do. Honor. 
Honor your family. Honor, honor the bedrocks. Honor the landmarks. The Bible says in Exodus 20 and 12, honor your father and your mother. Just honor them. Honor them. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land and that God, God will be gracious to you and God will be giving you, giving to you. Honor. What does honor do? If you honor your pillars, if you honor the lineage that you maybe never met, just honor them. Honor their name. Don't do certain things just because grandmama wouldn't want you to. (laughs) Grandma wouldn't understand if you did that. Grandpa would not understand if you said that. Just honor them. You 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 don't even have to agree with everything they say, but never be dishonorable. Never call them out of their name. Always protect them when others are talking about them. Say, that's my grandma. That's my great-grandfather. He may have done some things, but I honor him. I honor him. If you honor, honor your family and its vision, it will be a blessing to you. The next thing I want to encourage you to do is don't be okay sometimes taking second place, but I'll, I'll give you the scripture. Colossians 3 and 13, if you want your family to last and you want it to be eternal... <clears throat> Bear with one another, Paul says in Colossians. Bear with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also should forgive. What does that literally mean? Paul says, sometimes take second. Sometimes just back up. Sometimes just forgive people in your family now. Release people in your family. Let them go. You're still mad at them for 30 years for something that happened. Let that go because your family's eternal. Well, I'll never forgive him. I won't be able to forgive her. Listen to me. Your family is so important that sometimes you take second place for the priority. What is the priority? Keeping my family together. I'm going to keep my family together. I'm going to keep my family together. We're not going to be ridiculous, but we're going to be together, right? We're going to be together. So bear with one another. Take second place when you need to take second place. Three, protect the unity, Psalms 133 and 1. How good and how pleasant it is for God's people to dwell together in unity. It's like the oil that's on Aaron's head that comes down his beard and it ends up pooling at his feet. It ends up being too much at the end of it. Protect the unity of your family. (laughs) Have you ever noticed, and these are always good stories, that families fight, fight, fight at the house, but as soon as they leave the house and someone picks on someone in the family, they unify all of a sudden. That among ourselves, we have our indifferences, but when it comes to the world, we protect and cover one another. Sisters may fight like cats and dogs at home, but when they get to school and someone picks on one of the sisters, they unify very quickly. (laughs) Keep the unity of your family. Now, here's what's important. I can't keep the unity in my family based on my opinion. Listen to me. Listen to me so good. And and this may not be a shouting sermon this morning, but I'm telling you, God told me to come in here and tell you this. You hear what I'm saying? Your family may not be perfect, but you cannot build unity around the opinions of every individual. That won't build unity. Unity is not built because everybody has a voice in the family. 
Unity is built when we look to God as the only voice that really matters. The foundation for our family is the Word of God. The foundation for our family is what God says. The foundation for our family is the blueprint that He has given us to build on. The foundation of our family is its eternal weight. And we gather, believe, unify around that belief. Even if all of us don't agree on how to do it, we do agree on what it is. Even if all of us don't agree on when to do it, we agree on what it is because it's the assignment of God. Build your family around assignment. Am I making sense now? And the last thing I want to say, this last point, number four, see your children, see your children and great-grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Lord knows, I want to be here to hold my great-great-grandchildren in my arms. I want to be here to raise them. I want to teach them what I learned in Mississippi as a little boy. I want to tell them about, about my father and my mother. I want to tell them about Linnell's great-grandmother. I want to tell them about our history. I want to tell them what God brought us through. I want to tell them about our grandparents who made it through depression. I want to tell them how God fed them miraculously with food showing up in gardens that were falling apart. I want to tell them, I want to tell them about the miracles of having holes in the roof that, that, that the sun would shine through, but the rain wouldn't fall through. How God kept our families over the generations, and that God has made a promise to never leave us or forsake us, as long as the Williams family stays in the house of God. We're called to the house of God. That's our calling. That's our assignment around the world to raise up the house of God, the kingdom of God. So number four, number four, Psalms 127, three and five. Behold, children, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, they are a reward. They are like arrows. Arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. This whole scripture is so amazing, and this is simply what it means. Your children are like arrows in a quiver. What do you do with them? You put arrows in a bow, and you shoot them into places you will never go. Children are the security for your future. You send your children into your future, and they create another legacy for their children. And every generation gets better and better and better because of the goodness of God. That is the plan of God. So write it down again. It's in your notes. Write it down again. My family is eternal. My family is eternal. So I must think family forever. All of my decisions have to be based on whatever I do, good, bad, or indifferent, and we've all made mistakes. But whatever I do, good, bad, or indifferent, it builds a foundation and adds to the legacy of my family. So we have to pay attention about that. It's really serious, and it makes a lot of sense. So this is what I'll end with. 
I'll end with the story of Esau and the story of Ruth. Esau, Esau was robbed by his brother Jacob. He was tricked by his brother Jacob. He was even supplanted by his mother who had a favorite. And all of this was supposed to mess up the lineage of Isaac. It was supposed to mess the whole thing up with his two sons. It split both the boys. And as Jacob was running from his brother, Esau said to him, I'll never forgive you. And the next time I see you, if I catch you, I am going to kill you. Years later, about 21 years later, Jacob is now married. He has children. He has wives. And now he's, God has said to him, go and see your brother Esau. Go see him. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, your family is eternal. So there are things that have to be fixed. On the road to see his brother Esau, Jacob said, here are some animals. Give Esau. Go ahead of me because I know he's planning to kill me. Kill me. Take all these animals. Go. Give it to him. Bow before him and tell him I'll see him tomorrow. If he's peaceful, let me know. If he's not peaceful, let me know. So he's bringing all this stuff to Esau. And the next day, Jacob and Esau meet. And Jacob bows and he says, you're the real older brother. I never should have done this to you. Da-da-da-da-da. And here are the animals I'm bringing to you. And Esau says these words, keep your animals for yourself. Keep your gold for yourself. Esau said, God has blessed me. And then he said these words, you, Jacob, are my brother. You are my brother. I have no desire to kill you. I have no ill will. I have no, I have no passion in me to pay you back for what you did. I forgive you because you and I must be joined together. We are brothers. We are brothers. Be unified with your brothers. Be connected again to your brothers. Why? Because your family is forever. The last story is this one, and it's my favorite. And then I'm going to ask, I know we didn't plan for this, but I'm going to share this mic for my wife and allow her to pray, pray for us as we go off. There's a lady by the name of Ruth. Ruth married a son of uh, Naomi. She married Naomi's son, and both Naomi's husband and her sons died. They died all of a sudden. Ruth is a daughter-in-law. She is not uh, Ruth's daughter. She's a daughter-in-law. Once the sons died, Naomi said to Ruth, uh, Ruth, now that my son is dead, go back to your people. Go back to your people. Ruth said something that is so apropos for us today. She said to Naomi, entreat me never to leave you. She said, don't make me leave. There is something eternal about you and me. Ruth says, this doesn't make sense. I mean, Naomi said, this doesn't make sense, Ruth. I'm too old. I don't have a husband. I will never have a son. I don't have a son to give you. Go back to your people and find a husband. But Ruth said to Naomi, don't make me leave. There's something eternal. You are my mother. Oh my God. And then she said these words, wherever you die is where I'm going to die. Wherever you live is where I'm going to live. Wherever you're buried is where I'm going to be buried. Whatever you're eating is what I'm eating. Wherever you're sleeping is where I'm sleeping. Whatever you think is what I'm going to be thinking. 
You are family forever to me, Naomi. Naomi said, well, I don't understand this, but let's go back home to my people. We're going back to Bethlehem. Ruth said, okay. Ruth stuck to Naomi until she met and married Boaz. This is an amazing story. Ruth says, you're eternal to me, Naomi. I'm sticking with you. Ruth, watch this now. Assignment, assignment, assignment. Your family is eternal. Ruth marries Boaz. They have a son called Obed. Obed has a son called Jesse. Jesse has a son called David. David becomes the forerunner of Christ, and Jesus is called the son of David. Do you hear what I'm saying? Your family has the same eternal weight. Everything you're doing now in that little bitty apartment, you may think we're insignificant. No, you're not insignificant. Your family has an eternal weight. And just like Ruth, you'll meet a Boaz. You'll have a son. That son will have a son. That son will have another son. And that son will have eternal destiny. My children, my great-grandchildren, my great-great-great-great-grandchildren are going to be greater than I. You know why? Because I'm going to sing of the glory of God. I'm going to talk of his testimony. I'm going to tell people how good he is. Your kingdom will last forever, God. Your kingdom will last forever. The Bible says your kingdom will last forever. I believe the kingdom of God will last forever. I believe it's an everlasting kingdom, and I, I believe his dominion will carry on, but it's going to carry on through your family. It's your family that does this, all right? I'm going to ask Pastor Nell to come up and just pray for us, and then we will be allowing you to leave. Hold on. We've not done it, but we're going to figure this out, okay? Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this word this morning that came into our homes, into our workplaces. I understand that people are watching all the way in Holland, the Netherlands, across this nation, across the waters. But Father, as you have already promised, your word cannot be contained, that you are nigh your people. And we thank you, God, that you're giving us supernatural ability to raise and to provoke our family to be about your business. We thank you, God, that this word that came this morning, that we know that because of you, family is forever. We thank you for our man of God, the word of God that was shared from him through you this morning, coming to equip the saints to get our homes in order, to get our marriage together, and to be able to bring our children into a fuller understanding that you are God and you are God alone. Thank you, Lord, for our city. Thank you for the saints that are praying. Thank you for Ambassadors Worship Center. We decree and declare that you are a faithful people and through you, the whole world, the entire universe will be blessed because we're gonna stand on our watch. We're gonna take this city back. We're gonna take the world back. We're gonna be the godly examples as mothers and fathers, as women and God, we will not make the gospel a shame, for we know that it is a power in us, working through us, to do your 
cosmic will. We decree that your kingdom shall come and that you shall reign supreme. Oh God, our God, we worship you. We praise you, oh God, for you are our Lord. And we know that we win. We bless you. We decree right now that you are blessed in the city. You're blessed in the field. You're blessed in the workplace. Wherever you go, you are blessed for the greater one resides in, in you. And you can do all things through Christ who have strengthened you. Amen. If you've enjoyed this word this morning and it's planted a seed of motivation in you, will you consider planting a seed, sowing a seed back into Ambassadors Worship Center that we can continue this great work? Because as we have said, we are not tired. We love the Lord with all our lives, with all our heart, soul, and strength. And we pray that this word has been a tremendous blessing to you to build your family, build your marriages, to respect our senior citizens, and that we are better people because of the word in us.